don't mention it. Mention it all. Mention it all. Good morning, everyone. Uh, that was good morning. It's spelled M-A-W-N-I-N by Ashley Brinton, who was a, a guest on, on this week's episode of B- Below Deck Med, a yacht guest. And she filmed the music video on the yacht. I would really suggest everyone just pop into YouTube YouTube, <laughs> just pop into YouTube and type in Good Morning by Ashley Brinton and just let that shit roll. <laughs> really enjoy yourself. I would, I would highly, highly suggest that. Um, guys, her hair in that was such a situation. I can't wait for like the traction alopecia she's gonna get from forcing her like white hair and extensions into like protective hairstyles and basically just looking like a fool. Um, <laughs> welcome. It's been a while. I took a little break. Everybody kind of took the 4th of July week off. I did too. And um, the main reason I took it off is because Bravo has just been like twisting and turning their programming around like nobody's business. It's like, I know that they're trying to get like the most ratings for the bigger thing. So it was like, they didn't play the Beverly Hills finale last week. It was played this week. They didn't play um, the first part of the Real Housewives of New York reunion. We got that this week. I mean, and guys, there wasn't that much that we would have missed, frankly, if like people were on vacation, not that much happened. That Beverly Hills finale was, (sighs) I don't think I have words for it. I really don't. It was, um, it was good. Who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I'm going to tell her girlfriend, you are so wrong. Girlfriend, you are so wrong. I think I'm just going to be interjecting that into the podcast today, just like here and there. Like anytime I say something that's false, I'm just going to have Marianne Williamson responding to me saying, And I will tell her girlfriend you were so long. Oh, I love Marianne Williamson. She's just really been a godsend in this, this presidential race this time around. I didn't think that there was going to be anything nearly as entertaining for me as like, you know, Ben, Ben Carson, remember Ben Carson's book, you guys, I, I might read an excerpt of that later in the episode, but like Ben Carson and his book, that whole section about him fighting a bear, his book is called magic hands, I believe. Cause it's all about how his hands are magic. Cause he was a doctor, Carly Fiorina, Ted Cruz's children who hate him. I mean, all of that was just like gold. It was all so great until it wasn't, you know? Isn't that always the way? And I really just felt hopeless about all of this. And then a woman named Marianne Williamson came into my life. 
for the average American is woefully undereducated about the history of race in the United States. I was I like one moment. Just trust the us fact on this. Somebody We're has gonna... a younger body doesn't mean you don't have old ideas. No, we'll do it. John Kennedy. John Kennedy. I'm sorry that. Just... <laughs> I just am like I'm. I'm. I've kind of just been running through all everything Marianne Williamson has ever said, whether it's on the debate stage or not, and I just can't stop laughing at everything. Like it's it's such a gift. This woman wisely said, "We are all pregnant with a better version of ourselves." This woman is Oprah's spiritual advisor. Uh, we could do a lot worse than Marianne Williamson. She she can be our witch in chief. I just would love that so much. Um, guys, I'm not seriously going to vote for Marianne Williamson, but I do advocate for her voice to be heard on this type of stage. I think it's important to hear her voice. It's important to hear, it's important to hear the, the perspective of, uh, you know, like white women who are out of touch with reality. I'm one of them. She represents me. She represents all of us out there who are, you know, at least a, a little bit white and a little bit out of touch with reality. So thank you, Marianne. We appreciate you. We had this uh, big debate that I like didn't really go over where she where she said what she said, Marianne. Um, but she said all the things that she said running through my head. Um, but... In that debate, also, there was, like, another pretty good moment um, where Kamala Harris sort of, like, went in on Joe Biden regarding him palling around with racists and, like, saying that these racist senators were, like, his buddies or whatever. Um, and she just, like, nailed him to the wall like I've never seen before. And um, I I really don't like Kamala Harris. She's a cop, let's be honest. Um She's just done a lot of things like she did a lot of things as the state's attorney that just were, in my opinion, really, really bad for poor people, for people of color. Um, and in a lot of people's opinion, you know, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. So I think a lot of us are not really comfortable with Kamala Harris and somebody who would like make those kinds of choices. Like one thing that really always stands out to me with her, um, you know, she wants to go in on Joe Biden about busing, but. <clears throat> really, uh, she is a person who decided to send parents to jail for not uh, making sure that their kids got to school. So she she's changed the truancy laws, essentially. So if a child was missing a certain amount of school, the parents would actually be incarcerated, um, which is like beyond twisted and sick. Because as we all know, like if, if a child's truant, Odds are the parent is working hours where they can't be managing the child and making sure that the child is going to school all the time, even if they would like to be, or maybe they're sick or, I mean, there's just so many different circumstances. None of them look good for Kamala Harris, frankly. Um, but I did enjoy what she did to Joe Biden. And I saw a great meme that was just like, everyone was so shocked by by what Kamala Harris did to Joe Biden in the debate, because it's just so rare that we see an old white man shot and killed by a cop. <laughs> and I think about that a lot because that's very true. And I was impressed with her on the level of like, I actually did not think that she was as talented uh, 
politically as she is. I think she was the only person who went into that debate. And I'm not talking about like my personal political views. Like I do not like neoliberals like Kamala Harris. That's not my personal political views. However, I like thinking about politics and particularly presidential elections, just like in terms of the bigger picture. And she was the only person who went into that debate with like a real plan um, that she executed, where there were things she wanted to accomplish. There were people she wanted to attack or make look bad or things like that. And, you know, she went after it with the, the single-minded focus and, you know, articulated it with the power of a prosecutor. So I was, I was very, very impressed with her ability to do that and her ability to sort of stay on task because we all know I love my Bernie. I love him forever. He's like a member of a family, as an Italian would say, he's my paisan. So I feel very, very close to him, but um, not a great performance. And I almost felt like I know he does want to be president, but I almost felt like in the debate that Bernie almost didn't like that. He is almost more comfortable being like this revolutionary figure and pushing everyone else to the left, which he has like, look, every single person up there was spouting opinions that they didn't have four years ago that Bernie Sanders sort of forced the party to embrace and God love him for that. I mean, we'll all be grateful for that because it desperately needed to happen. You know, it was, I remember, 2016 and, and, uh, 2012 and 2008, like even in 2008, as, as thrilled as we were to have someone like Obama, who was exceptionally bright, um, it was really tough to accept that even Democrats were still going to be, you know, warmongers and they were still going to be like annoyingly centrist and measured on things like, uh, healthcare and big pharma and race and, uh, and, uh, and immigration, which, you know, Obama is extraordinarily centrist on immigration. Y'all know I complain about this all the time. Some of you out there tuned in for a Bravo podcast. You're like, what is happening? And I will tell her girlfriend you were so long. Because the United States of America is going to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up. I needed to hear that. I don't know about you guys, but I needed to hear that right then. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to take a quick break. When I'm back, I'm just going to start, like, tearing through Bravo stuff. Um, There's, like, not a tremendous amount to talk about, but I do want to start covering it. So I am just going to touch on the finale of Beverly Hills. I'm going to touch on the first part of the reunion of Real Housewives of New York. Um, I'll chat, you know, throw in some below Jack here and there, some Southern charm, Southern charm, um, little bachelorette. And I also want to talk to you guys a little bit about Southern charm, New Orleans. I want to recommend Southern charm, New Orleans to my listeners because, um, I watched season one. It wasn't fabulous, but season two has been really, really great so far. It's taken off. Um, much, much better than Savannah. And just so you guys know, if you tried Savannah and it wasn't your cup of tea, you should know that Southern Charm New Orleans and regular Southern Charm, Southern Charm Charleston are from the same production company and they're both produced by Whitney from Southern Charm original. Savannah is a totally different production company. And that, that might be why it's not as been successful. Um, but I'm really enjoying that so far. So I'm going to touch a little bit on that. Uh, I will take a very, very quick break. 
and be right back with all of your actual things that you're tuning in to listen to me about. Guys, wow. This Potomac dinner party had it all. It had duck quesadillas. It had Candace's husband, Chris, just like literally sitting on top of her to keep her from attacking Ashley. It had uh, Karen and Giselle just like, like, you know, yucking it up and eating as all this drama was going down. It had the words, the, the iconic line. Actually, Candace had quite a few, but <laughs> in particular, when Candace said, try me in that kangaroo restaurant, not in my house. <laughs> that really, that really got me. Also, R.I.P. Oz, the kangaroo restaurant, it has closed. I mean, surprise, surprise. No one's surprised. Um, Candace also... Candace also said to Ashley, I mean, oh my God, what didn't she say to Ashley? Oh, she also said to, I think she said to Karen or to Giselle, she says, I, I had her in my home. I served her a beverage. <laughs> she said, I served her a beverage. <laughs> Which is what we're all thinking when someone comes into our home and behaves like the way Ashley does. I mean, I know Ashley was being attacked. I don't think Candace was right to attack Ashley on the basis of the miscarriage stuff. I think she should have been more honest. And I do think it's weird that she would think that like, they wouldn't care about the miscarriage just because he is probably bisexual. Like that's a weird turn. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, I do think like, yeah, you can be like, you try to represent your marriage in a certain way. Like everything is perfect when like, your husband and then you're being dishonest and telling everyone else that they're lying when like we clearly heard your husband say i would suck his dick guys whose dick do we think michael wanted to suck i'm going with juan because i feel like robin let it drop i don't know if it was on watch what happens live or like later in the episode but she let it drop that like the person was not at the um the party and the only husband that i think that wasn't at the party was juan so i'm pretty sure it's juan um, you know, we've got Katie looking like Marianne Williamson beamed her in there. Like she doesn't know what's going on. Poor Katie. Love her to death. Clearly on pills or something, but God bless her. Um, now Ashley keeps leaving and like coming back inside. Like Candace basically kicks her out of the house and Ashley will leave and then she'll come back. And it's just like, Ashley, if somebody kicks you out of their house, stay the fuck out. Um, also Karen had an iconic line in the scene where she said, so, so he's fiending off a dingling that wasn't even in the room. <laughs> fiending off a dingling, everyone. Fiending off a dingling. If you're not watching Potomac, like, I don't know what you're doing, right? It's crazy that, like, to me right now, Potomac and obviously Below Jack Med, but, um, and Southern Charm New Orleans are really just like crushing it. Uh, I am going to touch on Southern Charm New Orleans right now and i'm just gonna like just to give you guys an intro for those who aren't watching it's a it's a group of friends and um a very diverse group of friends brown people white people 
you know, people of all different kinds of backgrounds and um, which is nice to see because, you know, on Bravo, a lot of times we either get like a segregated cast or like we don't see any brown people. So it's nice that there's it's a good mix, which is like really what New Orleans is like. Um, it's a lot more accurate. But then we have uh, like our main character sort of is uh, Tamika and Tamika is married to this like super buff and handsome guy. And last season, it seemed like their marriage was like kind of shitty, but it seems like they've really worked things out this year and they're a very, very cute couple. And then Tamika's best friend is a girl named Reagan, uh, Reagan Charleston. And she comes from like sort of an old family in New Orleans now, last season, this is like the real tea of of this show. Last season, Reagan was married to a former New Orleans Saint player named Jeff. And Jeff obviously had a drinking problem. And Jeff does this crazy thing. He's still doing it. Where like when he drinks too much, like Jeff just takes off and runs. Like last season, there was an episode where he just got out of a car, like in the middle of nowhere, like on a road in the dead of night and just ran, ran off. God knows where. Um, and I really, really feel for Jeff. I think he's like fascinating psychologically because he clearly has very serious issues. And we learned last season that his family basically stole all his money from him. Like he had all this money from playing in the NFL and, and his own parent, his own family stole from him, um, and basically bankrupted him. And he and Reagan had this very strained marriage where it was like she was living in town and at a place in the French quarter and he was living alone in this big house, like, which was out of town, like across this long bridge. I don't, I don't know the area that well, but it seemed pretty far away. And, you know, he would sort of lose it sometimes and she seemed not happy. And so we had heard in the off season that they got divorced. And then almost immediately we hear that she's remarried and she's pregnant and she's just had the baby. The baby's already here with us. So this has all really happened quite quickly. Now, this season, we meet the superstar, in my opinion, that is Reagan's new husband, Reese. <laughs> When we first meet Reese, like, I thought he was joking in his interviews, but he's clearly dead serious, where he just talks about, like, he works with horses. He just seems like a lazy rich kid to me. Like, here's the thing. A lot of people were saying it doesn't seem like he has money, this, that, the other thing. I don't think that she would be with him if he didn't. It seems clear to me that they come, they're cut from the same cloth, that they both come from prominent families. And he's just sort of the ne'er-do-well son of this prominent family. Now, they dated when they were in college before she met Jeff. Um, and so it makes sense to me that she would go back to this like old boyfriend who like comes from the similar place as her, who probably has the financial security of family money. Um, whereas like Jeff is, you know, from nowhere in Oregon and he obviously his family stole all his money. So, you know, that's a shitty situation. So it, they seem like, yeah, like they've known each other probably their whole lives kind of thing. Reese and Reagan. And this guy, like he works with horses with like thoroughbreds and he's like literally talking about how he just likes to like smoke a joint and like get drunk and like watch the horses fuck. Like he brings that up in the first episode that he's in. I'm like, hey, friend, are you aware that you're on television? <laughs> like, 
He really doesn't give a fuck. He's got that confidence of somebody who's like had generations of family wealth to just like be a total like waste of space. But I find him really amusing. Like everything that comes out of this guy's mouth is just like, you're like, why? Why? Um, so she's now with him and like Jeff's having to accept all that. Now there's another friend. Oh, I can't remember his name. I'm so sorry. A friend of Barry and Tamika's. And he is dating this girl who is super annoying. Now, guys, I can't tell if this girl is annoying or if I just don't like her face. And unfortunately, I think it might be that I just don't like her face. And um, I know other people who are even more sensitive. Like, I can be a little insensitive about people's looks. And, and I don't mean it in a mean way. I just mean, like, in my mind, there's my own opinions, my subjective opinions about attractiveness and who I'm attracted to. And that's totally different than, like, my objective evaluation of, like, this person's beautiful, this person's cute, this person's hot, this person's pretty, you know, like they're all kind of different things to me in my mind that do have like a clear definition. I understand that all that stuff is arbitrary and I'm an asshole, but, um, even, even folks that I know that are a lot less judgmental about appearance than I am, uh, find it hard to look at, at Kelsey's face. So why don't you watch and you tell me what you think? I'm having a hard time with Kelsey. And Tamika has been getting into it with Kelsey because for the past two seasons, because she just feels like her friend is never really going to marry Kelsey. Um, and also that Kelsey's extra, which she is. There's something super annoying and irritating about her. I can't put my finger on it. <sighs> so, yes, Southern Charm New Orleans. I would highly, highly, highly suggest dipping into that. The characters, it's, it's also just nice to see emerging characters and emerging storylines rather than like storylines that are like, you know, like a, a train that, that doesn't have enough fuel that just sort of like, like farting forward, like very slowly, kind of like, uh, the real housewives of Beverly Hills. So Southern Charm New Orleans is refreshing. It's a high recommend. Um, I would definitely say to check it out. On that note, let's just cross quickly into regular Southern Charm, where we had an appearance from Ashley Jacobs, the, the villain of all villains. Now, Eliza Limehouse invites Ashley Jacobs to an event at her house. And Eliza's just like lying and saying that, oh, I thought that Ashley wanted to come to apologize and whatever, whatever. And it's like, you've seen this bitch. You like really believe she's actually a good person deep down. Like, I don't, I, I don't think Eliza's that stupid. Let's to put it that way. Um, so Eliza invites her and they come to this event at the plantation, which is really awful. Like we hear Naomi say, Oh, I just like to imagine what happens, what happened at this plantation 200 years ago. It's like, you'd like to imagine slavery? Cause that's what was happening 200 years ago. Like it wasn't cute. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's just so disturbing to hear these people just kind of like brag about that culture that was like, you know, built on so much violence and so disturbing. Speaking of, I also found out this week about these these women that are called the Azalea Trailmates. This is unrelated to Bravo. But the Azalea Trailmates are like, quote unquote, representatives of the city of Mobile, Alabama. And um, they wear like huge pastel antebellum dresses. 
and they like represent the city in all these different places. Now, of course, like I'm from the Northeast. And so I was very confused when my partner was describing this to me. And I said, well, what did they do? <laughs> you know, because to me, I'm like, you can't just like put on a dress like you have to do you twirl a baton. Do you sing a song? Do you do some kind of, you know, like maypole thing? Is there's got to be something, but there isn't. They just wear those dresses. Um, and that to me is like the, the South in a nutshell. What is wrong with those people? Now, aside from this Ashley drama, Ashley shows up and everyone just sort of nobody really takes it seriously and everyone does engage with her. And they're basically just like, OK, but if you're not going to apologize for your actions or take responsibility, we just like have no interest in knowing you, which, of course, Ashley doesn't. Um, and then we also have this sort of side plot line emerging of Naomi and her anxiety about coming on this vacation for Cam's birthday uh, with Craig. Because Craig has been really inappropriate. Craig has this insane delusional belief that Naomi's still in love with him. We all know that's false. Um, he has like some crazy idea that because Matul can't come to weddings or travel with her, like it's like the one thing that he knows that he has over Matul is that Matul's job is very demanding because he has an actual career. Um, and so he's like, why would she want that? Like when she could have just like a loser who sews pillows and like, sits at home all day long you know it just doesn't make any sense um but i think craig does feel like he doesn't want to make naomi feel uncomfortable because he's still in love with her so i hope that he's going to take it to heart it seemed like they were kind of working it out towards the end of it people were sort of trying to make it about metul but it's like if Matul's not comfortable with her going, I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, why would you be comfortable with your ex going on a vacation that you can't go on with their, or with your girlfriend going on a vacation that you can't go on with their ex who is still in love with them? Like, it's not that you're worried about your partner. You're more just worried about that person. And it just is an uncomfortable feeling. So, I mean, maybe that's not the way that Cameron's marriage works because Cameron probably walks all over her husband, but like, if Naomi and Matul have that issue and, you know, she respects that he's coming from that place, then hopefully they can get to a better place with it because she is on a TV show with Craig. So it's like a slightly different situation than just like your average, like, oh, I don't, you know, feel comfortable with you going on vacation with your ex. It's like they're all kind of getting paid to go on vacation together. So that's a little bit of a, a, a knife in the plan. So what's that phrase? I don't know. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. When I'm back, I'm going to cover some housewives, some bachelorette. We'll see. Guys, I'm back and I can barely even bring myself to talk about Beverly Hills. That's how boring this finale episode was. There was an agency party. And then there was like a weird luncheon at the end where they were all sitting around like basically being like, raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Lisa Vanderpump. And it's like, everyone just like tells their tales except for Denise. Who's like, well, I don't really care. Oh, thank God Denise has been here. I mean, without her, would I even still be watching? I don't know. I'm confused by it. Used to be my favorite. And now it's just like so dreadful. We have Lisa Rinna telling the story of running into LVP and LVP has wet nails. And Lisa Rinna said, do you need some money? because uh, LVP had to tip the, I don't know, parking attendant or something like that. It was a confusing tale. We learned that um, Camille is upset about 
uh, Teddy allegedly ignoring Camille's daughter. I mean, I don't even know what these people are worried about anymore. Camille is like saying that she's been personally victimized for defending LVP. We had a weird scene like earlier in the episode where LVP is like, thank you for defending me. And Camille's like, you're welcome. And then the audience was like, when did that happen? Because I don't feel like Camille has actually been going to bat for LVP and I'm confused. And if she wanted to stay on the show, she like really backed the wrong horse. Although she may be back. Who knows? I think everyone is desperate for a switch up with this show. I mean, we're just going to have to pray for that. We're just going to have to pray for a change to come because it's, it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing there. I really have nothing more to say. It's I'm, I've been talking about it for a minute and 50 seconds and I've more been talking about how there's, I have nothing to say than anything else. So let's transition to New York because who gives a shit? Um, so New York, we learn more about Bethany's relationship with Dennis. Um, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, where it's like he, he was inconsistent in certain ways. And that's why she was sort of seeing other people, meeting other people at different points. She still loved him. And, you know, it makes sense that maybe he was struggling with something. I don't want to say that he was struggling with addiction. Cause I don't know if he was uh, an addict or, or what the deal was. Um, and I don't want to make assumptions about that. But it was very interesting to really hear Bethany's whole perspective about that and talk through that. And and we felt that it was hard for her to return to the show and to just try to be business as usual with all the dentist stuff. And it came out, obviously, as as we know, in Miami. Um, and then I think the other interesting thing, we mostly had like a Lou Dorinda hashing out. Um and I was really like moved and proud of Lou at the end of that first, the first part of this uh, reunion there, because she, it was like, ugh, I don't know how she does it. It's like, my sister said this and it's very true where it's like when Lou's being awful, we forget that we ever loved her and why we loved her. And when she's being lovable, we forget that she was ever awful and why we hated her. And it, and she did, she does it again where it's like, they're all just kind of calling her out, calling her out, calling her out. And she's kind of deflecting, but she's taking more responsibility than your average housewife. And then, you know, she really says to Dorinda, you know, like I basically that she was just like so obsessed with like staying focused on like her cabaret, on her sobriety, on all these things that she was insensitive and she was selfish and she does feel bad about it. And she has this real moment with Dorinda that is so genuine where you see she feels awful that she has really hurt Dorinda in all these ways and she sees it. Whereas like there are a lot of housewives who like would not give a shit if they hurt someone like that. But like Lou has a good heart deep down and and what we just love seeing her vulnerable. And it's so tough because I think when she is try she tries to like hide her vulnerability at different points. Like under Tom or under Cabaret. She tries to bury it deep down. And it's like, that's the part of Lou that we love to see. You know, that's, that's the person that is so endearing, that is so funny. And it just made me really happy to see that come out and see them sort of like come together a little bit again. Um, really, really warmed my cold dead heart. So thank you for that, Lou. And thank you for that, Dorinda. Um, I don't have that much more to say about this particular episode, though. I think that this cast has been great. I would love to see, you know, maybe one or two new additions. I don't really need to lose anyone from it. I enjoy all these ladies. Obviously, we know Barbara is probably not going to be back, but I even enjoyed Barbara. 
Um, you know, it's a tough crowd. I think if Barbara was on any other franchise, I think she probably could have gotten a second season. But I think this crowd, you have to really distinguish yourself right off the bat in different ways. And, you know, I'm just praying they hold on to tins and they give her a little more time because I just feel like every season we get more and more and she just gets better and better. So I've, I've really been loving, loving my tins. Um, I guess I'm just going to quickly touch on what's happening with the bachelorette. Now I don't want to get too deep into things because I have read spoilers and I am aware that not all my listeners read the spoilers, but, um, we had family visits. Now guys, I can't even talk about Peter. I know a lot of people are fans of Peter and think that he is really cute. And I will tell her girlfriend you were so long. Girlfriend, you are so wrong because Peter has a weak mouth and it's disgusting. Um, also, like for those of you that are feeling bad for Peter that like think that he's actually in love with her, there's a tons of stuff about how he was seriously dating a girl before he went out there. She didn't come forward after she saw what fans did to the girl who was dating Jed. Um, but like reality, Steve has talked about her and like he took her to Switzerland. She met his family. Like it's a really like not a cute situation. And you know what's wild to me, guys, is that at this point, the only person, so Peter and Jed have supposedly had girlfriends. We know Luke P is an unstable psychopath. And the only person who really isn't fucked up is Tyler C. And it's so weird because I, I, we all have this fear in the bottom of our hearts that Tyler C is like secretly an asshole or secretly not as great a guy as he's coming off to be. And he seems like that kind of guy that like would be an asshole, but like it just, nothing's come out yet. You know what I mean? Like if, if he really was an asshole, surely we would have found out by now. Surely there would be some type of indication or information. Um, so it's looking increasingly likely that Tyler C could be our bachelor. So let's all hope and pray for that. Um, but who knows, you know, maybe she'll wind up picking him. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And nobody really does because there's just been all this post-production drama that has been kind of changing things. Um, now Jed's family, very weird. I feel like his mom and his sister, like both want to fuck him. Like, I don't know. There were really strange incest vibes there. And they were like extraordinarily protective of him and his career, which I thought was strange where it's like, actually wouldn't like marrying the bachelorette be amazing for his career. Like I'm, I'm confused by that. I don't really understand it. I don't know why being single is better for your career or like, I, I don't, I mean, in this day and age, people get married for publicity. So why wouldn't a marriage be great for his career? It's very strange. Um, Tyler sees family. Like I would just practically in tears the whole time with his dad, who's like such a survivor, such an angel. Um, honestly, I feel like Tyler C deserves better than Hannah. I mean, she's always got a red nose. Does has anyone else noticed that? Why is the tip of Hannah's nose always red? It it always looks like she's like in the North Pole or like has come back from like like playing in the snow. And I'm like, you're in Greece, you know, <laughs> you're in Kentucky. Like, why is the tip of your nose so red? Um yeah, I mean, I just, I want Tyler to find love and happiness and joy. And I wanted Hannah to, too. And and now I'm sort of feeling like maybe she won't. Like, I don't know. And this obsession with Luke P has really ruined things for her. Luke P gives like a strange cult leader-like uh, speech in his hometown visit. So weird. So uncomfortable. 
and uh, and she keeps all of them. So they're all sticking around. And we know that this whole crazy thing is going to go down this week. So uh, we're all just very, very excited for this week's episode. That's what we've been anticipating. That's what we've been waiting for. Um, this huge blow up with Luke P where he basically calls her a whore. Um, cannot wait. So I guess that's all for me today, everybody. Not too, too much, but uh, I'm looking forward to this week. Obviously, we're going to have like a ton to talk about when it comes to The Bachelorette. And, um, you know, some shows are wrapping up like Beverly Hills in New York, and then other shows are just starting to take off. So again, I'm recommending Southern Charm New Orleans. I'm recommending Below Deck Med. I'm recommending uh, Good Morning by Ashley Brinton. I'm recommending that you just listen to some you know, reassurances from our, our witch queen, Marianne Williamson. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and uh, this has been mentioned at all.